You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. Wow, I'm really, really excited to be here today. The Holy Spirit is here today with us. Isn't that amazing? Praise the Lord. I, yes, 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 give the Holy Spirit a hand, really. I, uh, I'm excited, really excited to be here. I, uh, when Jay, Pastor Jay asked me to speak the last Sunday before he comes back, I was really excited. I, I just really appreciate you guys. I, I wanted to start off today really sincerely just saying thank you to you as a church. Thank you to Pastor Jay. Uh, just the support that we've received. We've been missionaries in Ukraine for 27 years, and uh, God has blessed us. And he's blessed us through you and your giving. Your giving, I'm just amazed while I've been here, just seeing what God is doing through you. And so really, genuinely, thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of uh, this mission with us in Ukraine. I'm going to try today not to talk about Ukraine, <laughs> which is really hard for me. Uh, I, I prayed a lot when Jay asked me to come. I prayed, Lord, what would you have me speak to the church? What would you have me tell them? What do you want me to talk about? And this theme kept coming to me, that God was speaking to me, change. Theme of change. I think it's interesting, a very deep topic, obviously. But change, change is coming. Whether we like it or not, uh, change is coming. And we've seen it in Ukraine over the last year. We've seen uh, change happening in the world around us. Change is coming. I have a question for you today. Do you like change? Some people like it. Some people don't really like it that much. It's interesting. And uh, different things change. My wife loves change. She loves to change everything. <laughs> you know people like that? They just, like... She can't even have coffee the same way two days in a row. It has to be something different. And how am I going to figure out what she wants or how to make her coffee or how am I going to figure her out, right? Uh, she changes everything all the time. She changes uh, the way she does her coffee. She changes her favorite food. She changes the furniture around. And I'm getting a bit concerned about how she wants to change everything. <laughs> I have to be a good husband, right? I have to be the best husband in the world. One of the things that I have going for me in being a good husband is that I don't snore. And at least I think I don't, because, you know, I don't hear myself, of course. But uh, the other night, two nights ago, putting my little daughter to sleep. So we, our oldest is 25. Our youngest is five. I have a five-year-old. And she's a treasure. She just means everything in the world to us. She's a beautiful little girl. And I'm with her, putting her to sleep. So I decide to stay in the bed, and I'm just waiting for her to fall asleep. And I'm laying there, waiting, waiting. And all of a sudden, I feel someone like nudging me, pushing me. And, and it's Steffi. And she's looking at me. She's like, Dad, can you be a little quieter? I'm trying to fall asleep here. <laughs> So I realized I was making some noise, I guess. So the next day, 
we're actually yesterday, yeah, yesterday, we're driving in the car, Natasha and I, and I'm telling Natasha about this, Steffi's sitting in the back seat, and uh, I said to Natasha about what happened, Natasha turns around to Steffi, and she said, Steffi, you better pray that you don't get a husband that snores. Steffi says, that's okay, I'll send him back, get a new one. And all the husbands are thinking right now, where would they send us, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like uh, thank God that some things uh, women aren't supposed to change. And anyway, I feel just, um, I, I feel excited about change. I say that, you know, with all my heart. I'm, interesting thing is, God never changes. But God expects us change. Everything God creates changes, has seasons. It's interesting. God expects us to change. Everything that grows changes. God wants us to grow. There's a prayer that uh, many people are familiar with, and you may be familiar with it, it's called the serenity prayer. Have you heard it? It's very interesting. And uh, they use it in all kinds of different places. You'll hear it often. But it says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. Powerful, really, if you think about it. But there's that little part in there you often think of, well, you mean I have to accept some things that can't change? I have to uh, believe that there are some things that can't be changed? What are those things? And where is this wisdom I need to know the difference? I think that says a lot. If you look at the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, his writings, his writings are so deep and rich, you could spend hours and hours and hours on a verse. And he writes a whole book about change, about seasons. He talks about a time to be born, a time to die, a time to sow, a time to reap. He talks about all these seasons. And then he talks about the fact that many things in life are just vanity. Just not, not, they don't mean anything at all. You can spend your whole life working, he says. Just work and work and work, and then somebody else spends it. He talks about vanity. It's almost like there is no uh, meaning. He talks about changes, and in the end, he says, I guess our lot in life is just to accept the life we live Try to find some joy and fear God, he says, and obey God, follow his commandments. That's it. Seems kind of hopeless, doesn't it? Like it seems kind of uh, meaningless almost. But there is a verse in there, just in the middle of Ecclesiastes, there, there's this verse. It says, as long as you're alive, you have hope. That's an amazing thing. It's one thing that all of us have in common this morning. We all woke up today. 
Every one of us, right? And waking up is an amazing thing. For some people, it's maybe not that amazing. But uh, really, if you think about it, I heard someone talking this week. They were talking to two people on a, like a podcast show. And this guy said to the two people, he said, how would you feel if I gave you a million dollars? And they were like, wow, that would be amazing, you know? And he said, would it change? It would change our lives. Like, it would be phenomenal. Like, like just can't imagine. I can't imagine anything better. He said, what if I gave you $10 million? $10 million. They said, that would change everything. That would be the greatest thing that ever happened. It would be, like, phenomenal. He said, well, I'm going to give you each $10 million today with one condition. And they were like, what's that? You can't wake up tomorrow morning. <laughs> what? Like, of course, like, we wouldn't take it then. So he said, waking up tomorrow morning is more important to you than $10 million? Think about that. That's how valuable this life is for us. And every one of us, just the fact that we're alive today, it's an amazing thing. It's an opportunity. And like Solomon said, if you're alive, you have hope. And what is our hope? What is this amazing thing that we have? What really is, what, what could change your life today? I know that I have this kind of like blind faith, believing that God, God could change your life today. He could do something in a moment that would change your life. I know that Pastor Jay genuinely believes all of you by coming to this church that it will change your life, that you'll grow. You'll have moments where God will reveal things and change your life. And I want to go to the scripture today. I want to tell a little story, read a little story from the Bible that I believe tells us everything about change. And maybe, maybe I can prove to you that everything could change. From the book of Luke, the gospel, the good news according to Luke, chapter 5, I'm going to read uh, from my scriptures from verses 1 to 11. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. 
I can see that. I just, I can imagine that. I've been fortunate enough to be at that sea, at the Sea of Galilee, and, and uh, just to see those boats and about the size they were. And these are big boats. And I can imagine the amount of fish it would take to cause them to sink. And I can imagine the people watching this. And I can imagine the disciples, you know, who weren't disciples yet, but they were watching this, realizing this was not just a man. This was not just a teacher. This was not just a prophet. This was God's son. This was the promised Messiah. He was here. He was here on earth to change everything. Everything. That to me, it just says so much. It's just so deep, amazing. History, the world, the entire world would be changed by this man's life. And as they began to realize, it's amazing. When Simon Peter, now it says Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Fear. Fear of God. Fear of who we are. When we see who this really is, when we see the power to change everything, it changes us in many different ways. I, uh, I had a time in my life, like many of us, where I was empty. I was completely lost. I mean, lost, lost, lost. When I think back on it now, it's hard for me to even imagine, like, why, why I, do, I was doing certain things that I did. And I guess I can only remember the, this massive hole that I had inside of me. It felt so, such a gaping hole, an emptiness a depression, just this, this massive hole inside that I wanted to fill with something. And I tried everything. I struggled with alcohol a lot. And I had a really hard time, really hard time with it, getting it under control and believing that somehow I could change, but realizing deep down that probably the state of my life meant that I would never have a significant life. And I remember thinking if I could meet someone really cool, someone really great, someone who had it all together, maybe if I hung around with someone like that, a great friend, a great relationship, something that could rub off on me. You know, someone like Pastor Jay. If I could hang around with a guy like that and just maybe that would rub off on me after a while. And you know what? I met a guy. I was out on the golf course one day. Imagine a golf course. And uh, I met a guy. And this guy was so positive. He he just, like, it was amazing how I thought, wow, I'd really like to get to know this guy and, and see why, because he seems really genuinely happy. And the funny thing was, when I started to talk with him a, a little bit afterwards, he, he said, Ed, do you play baseball? And I said, yeah, I do. He said, uh, we have a baseball team. We're looking for another player this weekend for a tournament. Would you want to come? And I was like... Would I want, oh yeah, I'd love to, you know. So I joined this baseball team, and it turned out that the baseball team was from a Pentecostal church. I was set up. 
Didn't realize it at the time, but I got out there, and here's these 15 guys and me playing baseball. Man, just having a riot, and I was amazed. These guys were so happy. They're, you know, it seemed like they weren't wearing masks like most people I knew in my life, you know, but just had a great time. I remember being at a restaurant, 16 of us sitting around a table. These guys are having a blast. You know, they're just yelling at each other, throwing butter at each other. I can remember sitting there and I'm just looking around. And, and then the waitress came in and she said, what would you guys like to drink? Well, she started right on this side of me. And it was like coffee, like Sprite, <laughs> tea. All, and I leaned to the guy beside me. And am I ever glad she didn't ask me first? I really genuinely believed at that time that if you didn't have a few drinks, it was impossible to have a really good time. Can you imagine? I think back on that now and just that emptiness, you know? Anyway, after we were in that restaurant, one of the guys that was there, I remember him by name. I remember the moment he said, uh, his name was Danny Driscoll, and he said, Ed, would you like to come maybe to our church tomorrow? We're going to church in the morning tomorrow. And, and I remember exactly what I said. I remember that moment. It was almost like, like Peter, you know? Like he's, Peter was the kind of guy like, that would fall down right at Jesus' feet and say something. Because, you know, for him, I guess, he just that type of person, he would just let it out. He would just say exactly what he was thinking. And in that moment when he asked me to come to church, I said, you know, I'd love to come to your church tomorrow because you guys have something that I don't have. I knew it. I knew just by hanging around something. they. Had. I wasn't sure exactly what it was yet, but I knew they had something that I didn't have. And I started to go to their church. I went to their church every Sunday for about eight months. Imagine, I was still living one foot in the world, one foot in church, kind of back and forth, and uh, trying to figure out what it was really all about, what, what this church was about, what this pastor was talking about. Sometimes for me, my problem is I think too much, and, and uh, it, it actually is a problem, you know, just thinking things through and trying to... <laughs> some people are laughing now because you're that... But, I just think too much. And sometimes I got to just turn it off. So I was sitting there every Sunday. And the reason I went back, the real primary reason I kept going every Sunday was because after the service, I always felt better than when I had come in in the morning. That was it. It kept me coming back. Sometimes I would wake up on Sunday morning, oh, I didn't feel like going to church. But I would go because I knew if I did, I would feel better. There was something there that made me feel better. And then one Sunday, I'm in the service. I'm sitting in the back row. Pastor is speaking. I don't know if you've ever been in a service where this has happened, but suddenly in the middle of the service, it was like the Spirit of God just descended on the entire place. I felt it. And I was wondering what this is, you know, and I'm thinking like, wow, that's, that's amazing, that's amazing. And then, in the middle of just, the, the pastor actually hesitated and kind of looked around, and everybody could sense it, and a lady began to speak out in tongues, just like this, like loudly. 
Now, I was raised in a Mennonite church, and so I'm <laughs> sitting there like, what in the world is that? But suddenly, I got this idea. And this may sound a little bit conceited, and I don't mean it to sound that way, but really, when I think about it, I felt that God, whoever he is, the creator of the universe, had decided to come to that church that morning because he wanted to talk to me. Even though there were a lot of people there, I just really genuinely believed that for some reason, God decided he wanted to talk to me. And another lady immediately after the one lady finished speaking in tongues, another, another lady translated what God was saying. And you know what she said? I love you, my child. She said it again. I love you, my child. She said it three times. I love you, my child. And by the time she said it the third time, I was like this in the back row, just weeping. And I was like this because men don't cry, right? So I'm in the back row just in tears. Because I realized it was God talking to me, telling me that he loved me. And here's the thing. If you have an encounter with God, one of the first things you will feel is fear. Because of who he is? No. Because of who you are. And I felt it. If God knows everything about me, if he knows everything, I really genuinely felt, when I was young and growing up, I felt if there is a God out there somewhere, he probably doesn't like me very much if he knows everything about me. But I realized that morning, God is not who we think he is. He's different. God is not who we think he is. God loves us. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. God, in this moment right now, if you had ears to hear it, you would hear him singing love songs to you, just for you. A song that he wrote just for, a beautiful song, a love song. He's singing to you. He loves you that much. And all he wanted for me that day was just for me to come to him. And I did. I committed my life to him and I said, Lord, I want to do your will, whatever you want me to do. I'm tired of doing my will. I've been trying all my life to deal with things, to make the right decisions, to try to find a good job, to, to try to be a good man. I've been trying to do everything, trying to do this all my life. And I realized there's something different. There's something deeper. There's God's will. God has a will for our lives, and it's different than our will. If we follow our will, it takes us somewhere. If we follow God's will, it takes us somewhere else. And all we have to do is submit ourselves to his will, and he promises us peace. If we go on further in the scripture here, this is the amazing part. Um, after... Peter said this and fell at his knees and, and uh, said, get away from me, please. Because I'm a sinful man. Jesus, what did he say to Simon? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. 
He's talking about his will for Peter. He's talking about God's will. He knows that Peter in that moment is accepting God's will. He knows that in that moment, Peter is saying, I'm tired of where I've been going. I want something different. And he says to him, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. I have a will for your life. I have a different plan for your life. And obviously, Peter believed it because he said, it says further, so they, these men who were not even disciples at that point, so they pulled up their boats onto the shore, left everything, and followed him. They left everything in that moment. And God is calling us. He's calling each one of us. If I say being open to change, he's calling each one of us to leave everything and follow him. It means to leave your own will and accept his. It means to leave all these desires, everything that we have, and just accept his will. Follow him. And I made that decision from that day forward. And I can stand here before you today. It's the greatest decision I've ever made in my life. It's the most amazing decision I've ever made. God has a plan for our lives, and he wants to change our lives. He wants to change us. He wants us to grow. He wants amazing things to happen. It's the most exciting thing you could ever imagine in your life just to follow God's will. I'll give you a little example. Uh, when I was in Ukraine, the first seven years I was there, I was single. And uh, sometimes it was tough, you know, just being alone. And I would ask the Lord sometimes. And one day, I was in my room, and I'm just all by myself, and, and I'm praying, and I felt the Holy Spirit. I felt spiritually. He came right into the room. It was one of these amazing moments where just God opened my spiritual eyes, and I began to feel what was going on, and I felt him right there. And I knew I could ask the Holy Spirit any question, and he would answer have you ever thought about that? If he was right there and he just said to you, ask me anything, I'll answer you right away. What would you ask? <laughs> well, you know what I asked? I asked, you know, um, just a little question here. I've been single and uh, just wondering, like, is there someone for me? Or am I supposed to be single for the rest of my life? And the Holy Spirit said, there is someone for you. Wow. And then I asked, uh, can you tell me who that is? <laughs> because I'd really like to know so I don't, you know, make a bad decision. And you know what he said? He said, no, because that wouldn't be interesting. Wouldn't be interesting. I, I thought about that for days after that. Like, literally, days and days I was thinking, how does that, that doesn't, could that really have been him? Because that seems like a really weird answer. You know, for him to, and I thought about it for days, and then I realized, maybe I didn't realize it right away, but God wants our lives to be interesting, to be exciting, to be an adventure that we never imagined. And you know what? Me finding Natasha was one of the most interesting things that ever happened in my life. God could tell us, he could tell us everything that's going to happen he could tell us clearly about everything. But he wants it to be an adventure. He wants it to be a mystery. This is the amazing thing about following God and just seeking his will. 
When I um, heard that the war had started in Ukraine, I can't help it, I got to talk about Ukraine a little bit. But when I heard about Ukraine, the war starting, I, I was just, it was just overwhelming. It was, it was like something, we genuinely didn't believe it was going to happen. And it was, it was chaos. It was just, just boggles the mind. And we were struggling to try to reach our friends and talking with them and try, knowing what to do to react. Change. Tumultuous change. Chaotic change all of a sudden. And... Uh, Someone asked me one time, they said, Ed, how does it feel to be here in Ukraine or in Canada when there's a war going on in Ukraine, your country, the country God called you to? And I, I thought about it and I, I could only think of one thing and I said, I guess, I guess it's kind of like if you could imagine your child in intensive care and... Uh, Doctors are working on her, and you don't know what to do. You, you can just stand there, and what can you do? And then you, well, I can pray and believe for her, right? And uh, that's what I would say. That was my analogy to how I felt. And in November, it was a morning in November, just this past November, I woke up, I was walking down the stairs. And as I'm walking down the stairs of our house, I saw our daughter, Steffi. She's five years old, beautiful little girl. And she's just white as a ghost, like no life in her at all. Not even any color in her lips or anything as I went close to her and I grabbed her. and She said, Dad, I just feel like, I just feel like I want to cry. And then I looked Please excuse me for this, but I looked into the bathroom where she had just come out and uh, there was blood in the toilet and I was just, it was absolute shock. Just, what is going on? And I, I picked her up and I yelled to Natasha. I said, we got to go right now. And we, we ran outside, we got in the car, we drove as fast as we could to emergency here in Barrie and... and just ran into the hospital with our little girl. And as soon as we got in there, the doctors grabbed her and started to uh, take her different places. And suddenly, they're hooking her up to everything. We're able sometimes to get close to her and just comfort her. And, and Natasha was with her most of the time. And I kind of had to wait. Suddenly, doctors, are, there was a there was a massive group of doctors and nurses that came from Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto. They were there in 40 minutes. I have no idea how you get from Toronto to here in 40 minutes, but maybe they were stationed somewhere else, or maybe I lost my track of time, but they seemed to be there so fast. And they were talking about airlifting her, and, and the doctor came up to me and said, uh, I'm sorry, but your daughter is dying. And I was, how could you even say that to me? You know? Like, She's, and she said, I just want you to know how serious this is. I, I want you to be aware. And I, she said, the only way I can explain it to you is, for some reason, her immune system, instead of attacking the infection, it's attacking her own blood. And it's killing her. And she's bleeding internally because of it. And I had no idea what was going on. I, I couldn't figure it out. And then... 
on top of that, like right before they're about to take her away in the ambulance with the doctors, I come up to my little daughter and I'm allowed to just speak to her for a second before they wheel her off and her mom. And I have to drive all the way to Toronto. They said, you can't come in the ambulance, just her mom. So I just go up to her right before and I, I, I kind of hug her and I'm like, Steffi, everything's going to be okay. God is with you. I'm just trying to comfort her right before I go. And you know what she says? She says, Dad, I love you endless. <laughs> I get in the car. I have to drive an hour and a half in the car, you know, and, and I'm just a basket case. I'm, I'm like, I'm like I, I shouldn't have even been on the road. And I'm crying out to God the whole time while I'm driving to Toronto. God, I know if you take her, I know that she'll be with you. I know. But please, please don't take her. I drove to Toronto. That was on a Friday. We were at Sick Kids Hospital with our daughter. They were doing blood transfusions constantly and coming in and giving us little tidbits of information. We're asking questions, trying to figure out what's going on. And I began to call people to pray. I called Jay, Pastor Jay. And I know that people here were praying. It was a Sunday right after lunch. A Sunday. Imagine. Everybody had been praying that morning. And right after lunch, it was like a, like suddenly someone flicked the switch and our daughter came back. Just 100, not 100%, 120%. There she was. And she was fine. God healed her. Just immediately and, and in a moment, like healed her. We were so amazed. Like she was getting up. She wanted to get out of bed. And we had to unhook the wire, the tubes and everything. And the, telling the doctor she seems 100. And the doctors were really thankful. Really amazed at how quickly she had turned around. I went to Ukraine after that. I went to churches in Ukraine. And I told them that story. And you know what I said? I believe, I believe God was telling us something. Our daughter is just 120%. Doctors have done all kinds of tests now and trying to figure out what happened, but they say she's just like completely healthy. And I said, you know, sometimes we don't understand what's happening and all we can do is pray. But if we believe God can do a miracle, if he can do a miracle for my daughter, he can do a miracle in Ukraine. And you know what? If you listen to people right now all around the world when they talk about Ukraine, it's like there's no hope. It's just an endless situation. There's, there's no solution. There's, they're, they're, they're not even negotiating. There's just It's going to be a constant war for years and years and years. I think that's the time when we, as believers, we say, I believe it can change. I believe that God could do a miracle. And so I'm asking you as a church to believe with me. And when you talk to people, just if they talk about Ukraine, just say to them, I believe God could do a miracle because he can. And this is the amazing thing. When the world, when anyone tells us that you can't change, it really can. God can turn the situation around. He can change everything. He can change us in a moment. He can change us through time. God wants us 
to change, to believe, to believe that he can change any situation. Thank you very much. You're listening to Maple View Community Church Podcast. Thank you.